You didn't touch your phone quick enough, and now you're <laughs> stuck listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. I am Jim Chandler. Justin Bradford. Jeremy K. Gover. And we talk about movies. We like to be this show that you listen to after you've seen a movie because you're trying to talk about it with friends. We're your friends. Go watch, then come listen. DC Super Pets is on the table today. This was a fun family movie, and what's interesting to me, I think, in terms of the animated movies that have come out in the summer, it's this one and Minions, in terms of ones that are fun for the entire family. When I say that, it's that the writing is clever enough to keep an adult interested, as well as yep. completely entertain the child. You don't always have that balance in movies mm -hmm. um, there's plenty of geek humor in this there's some on the nose humor which I appreciate even making fun of Marvel even though Marvel owns DC and everything especially with the oh, whole drama yes. going on with sure. HBO Discovery everything like that but I enjoyed most in this were the supporting characters that's what I enjoy the most The Rock and Kevin Hart as the voices of the two main dogs in this they just played themselves which is fine to have their voices as themselves. Um, the Rock playing Crypto, which is the dog of Superman, and then Kevin Hart as Ace, which is the, the rescue dog that gets superpowers. But it was the supporting characters actually becoming voice actors is what I appreciated so much. Kate McKinnon as the villain. Amazing. Lulu. Fantastic. Yes, you can tell it's Kate McKinnon, but it's not Kate McKinnon doing her own voice. She developed a voice for this character. Uh, same thing with Vanessa Byers, PB, uh, Natasha Leon as, as Merton the Turtle. In, oh my God, some of the best lines came from that freaking turtle. Yep. Diego Luna as Chip. I mean, that supporting cast of other animals that weren't the two stars is what made the film for me so much more enjoyable because I appreciate the voice actors and yep. the effort they put into creating a character and not just playing themselves. So I did like it. The humor was there. It was enjoyable. It's rewatchable. It's one of those things you can just have on in the TV in the background. Uh, I think they, they did a good job, and DC should focus more on animated. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing that you bring that up. It is amazing that the DC animated projects seem to carry the mail for them. They slap. Okay, so you have... That, that should be an embarrassment to uh, DC. I agree, but they're so good. But credit to them. Yeah, so Teen Titans Go to the Movies is one of the funniest animated movies I've seen <laughs> in a decade. At least. I mean, it's so funny. Uh, probably top 10, most, uh, my favorite top, favorite top 10 animated movies in the past decade is Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Hilarious nice. and awesome. Uh, I wouldn't put this in that conversation at all but i enjoyed it for what it was my son thoroughly enjoyed it he thought it was a really good movie when he left the theater he's 10 for those who don't know and so that's kind of the target demo i think you know with some of the sure. off-color humor and you know that kind of thing. but uh overall i thought it was i thought it was decent i thought it was worth seeing if you have a family absolutely go see it unless you have a two-year-old screaming in the back of the theater oh boy like we had <laughs> the entire movie uh, and, which is one of the reasons I didn't go. Well, I don't blame it. It was. <laughs> can we just have a public service announcement? If you have a kid who won't be quiet in a movie theater, I don't care if your other two, three, four, one kids are there to see the movie. You have to leave. You are ruining the movie yes. for everybody else that is not in your family. So as much as you think we understand, we don't get to out. a point. <laughs> understand to a point. Yeah. If, oh, oh yeah. If it's a temporary situation, fine. But if you're leaving your kid screaming for an hour and a half movie, you know, or or and I don't mean screaming. Like I'm not. That's not that sure. obnoxious. But I mean, you know, if they're like, oh, give me the popcorn. You're not right. giving it to me. Yeah. You know, the whining. All throughout the whole movie, it's 
it's ridiculous. Yeah. Back to the movie. So, <laughs> uh, I thought it was really good. That was a great way to introduce the uh, Ace the Bat Hound story. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great way to introduce Crypto, the Superman's dog. I thought it was a really great, really good way to touch on Crypto in particular, his superpowers and how he got to Earth with Superman. Uh, just a little bit of backstory there because my son has never heard the Superman backstory because DC movies suck. <laughs> and so he doesn't care about it. Right. He's in the Marvel Cinematic Can Universe. Can you imagine your fandom. son sitting, even though I did enjoy Man of Steel? It's not for children. No. Can you compare doing mm-hmm. Marvel inter- backstory Absolutely for the no. building? There's no way a two and a half hour movie Man of Steel that a ten. But Marvel has tried to has tried to do that. They hire they've hired Marvel directors who have done the films like Ooh. James Gunn and other and they're just not the same. It just there's, there's, anyway. So it doesn't work there. But, but no. But back to this. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was again decent. It was worth seeing. Will I go see it again? No. But if it is on, if my son has it on, you know, yeah, if it's on. one of his like kind of marathon movies, you know, kids always mm-hmm. gravitate towards certain movies, you know, and watch it fifty times a year. If he wants to do I'm perfectly okay with that. I have, a, I have a question for you guys. Yeah, yes. Uh, I am very much a Marvel person. Uh, I don't care for DC, and their superhero movies have been overblown. There's been some great performances here and there. I'm just not a DC guy. I think they blow it four times out of five, and uh, they made fun of Marvel, which I love anybody that it was can good do that. cheeky humor it was right uh do they have the balls to make fun of themselves i didn't catch as much making fun of themselves as just like cheeky humor okay instead which you can do with an animated film i think dc will do that in an animated film and they've tried that i mean the suicide, james Gunn suicide squad pulled it off way better Mm-hmm. than other versions of yes. other live-action superhero movies or anti-hero movies that DC's done. But this one has the right kind of cheeky humor that you typically find in a Marvel movie, but it's animated. So it's the kind of humor that there's going to be the mix of children humor and adult humor in this as well. Which they did walk very which, well. Yeah, they, they did walk that line. I think they got some jokes in there that only adults are going to get or, yep. or innuendos that only adults are going to get. And that's a great so, thing. And that's it a great, great thing. You have to keep balance. parents' attention if they're going to take your kids to see it. Absolutely. But you have to do the ver- reverse also. you got to keep the kids in- right. involved. Yeah, everybody's got to like it. And the parents are going to talk to other parents. And if they say, uh, it was torture and that's two hours I'm never going to get back, that's right. but I made my kid happy... That other parent's not going to take their kid. This is not an animated movie, but I would say the Muppet movies, all of them, like from, from the Yo, 70s gosh, on, yeah. it's a master class in double entendre, How to walk that hitting line. two different levels. of yes. The kids are going to find it funny, but the parents know what they really mean. Yep. That there, It's a master 100%. class. All the Muppet movies are brilliant in that way. Watch the first Muppet movie uh, with people of all ages, uh, 20 and up, mm-hmm. uh, probably a few months ago. And it completely holds up. It does. It's fantastic. It is. And it, you're right. It's exactly that's that's what you should aspire to be. Here's what I will say though about uh, DC League of Super Pets. There was a moment. And this is why I don't watch dog movies. Uh, there's a moment in oh. it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try not to cry telling you this. Okay. There's a moment in it where there uh, Ace is giving his backstory. Okay. So there so there's a lot of contention between the two because Ace. Uh, and there are other animals that Bradford mentioned earlier are in a shelter, okay, and they are looking to be adopted. They keep having this hope alive. I'm going to find this family, go to this farm, all this stuff, okay? Yeah. And then while Crypto, of course, is he's Superman's dog, he's got a home. He's at home from the beginning. He's right. looked after Superman, you know, all this. So two totally different worlds. So they go off on this adventure together, and there's a point in the movie, as there usually is, where there's a kind of a character building arc where he's yeah. like, okay, well, how did you get, how did you end up here? And Ace tells, 
a very emotional story because uh, it's depicted on screen where he was brought home as a puppy for this expecting couple, and this couple had a baby. And the young girl, he's, and you can see they, they, they take you through the fact that the, the puppy is being raised with the young girl, and they're great, and they're really great friends, and they, you know, there's wrestling, and there's laughing, and all this wonderful stuff. Yeah. And then he, while Ace is sleeping or napping or whatever, the girl who's toddling, like kind of just like a penguin, like toddling, learning to walk, goes to the top of these stairs, and she's about to fall down the stairs. And, he, and Ace knows this. So Ace runs out of the room, grabs her arm, and pulls her back and saves her. And the uh, and the girl looks at her, looks at Ace, falls to her butt, crying. The parents come out of her corner. Oh, I see. And they run over to the baby. Oh, no. And then the camera shows, and this is where it got me. The camera shows, you know what's coming. Okay, this is not, yeah. but the camera shows three blood drops on her arm from his bite marks. Oh. And they immediately take the dog to the shelter and that's where that's that, and he was happy he was, thinking that showing that oh i did something he did to save his the girl. tail's wagging he's like look i saved the, yeah. i saved the girl and uh and the three bite marks on the, on the arm and then immediately they immediately take the dog to the shelter and it was uh, uh, that would kill me it, we're it, both dog guys it, yeah uh, and i rescued i mean like the, my last five dogs have all been rescue dogs yes it's i mean i love them they're a very special gift to us, but so that would kill. Oh my gosh! All right, it was so that's and, what makes it relatable to so many people, right? Because it was I didn't expect a scene like that. I thought it was just being a comedy. It's gonna be fun, you know. Whatever. And they, when you walk into the shelter for the first time as the audience and you see the animals there, yeah. you're like, okay, they're in a shelter. It's sad. Like you think that's the limit. Like they're right. showing you this part of it, <laughs> and then in the middle, of the, middle of the film, they give you this extremely emotional scene of what I just described, and. Having rescued seven basset hounds in, in our family, myself, and, and all that, uh, and being around that, volunteering at shelters back when I lived in California, and all that history kind of comes back to me, and I and I and I could not help but think, how many times has this happened, mm. where the parents weren't watching their freaking child, or the dog did something that was yep. either saving them or trying to save them, even if they hurt them. They're trying to say mm-hmm. that you know there's a, there's context for the dog trying to. Or they and, put the dog in a bad situation. I'm yes. Sorry. We, I, we, we, yeah, we're totally going off on here. But I, I'm 100 percent with yeah. you, and that probably sounds like the most emotional, in-depth scene I've heard from a movie this summer. I, I, and I'm not. <laughs> and it's making... too bad it was wasted on DC League of Super Pets. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't in Bullet Train. No, it was not in Bullet Train. <laughs> Go listen to that episode if you haven't listened to it already. So at the end of the day, like I just, I'll just wrap it up by saying that that was a really emotional scene. That actually, a lot of the points that I'm going to give it in our score come from a scene like that. It's very mm-hmm. hard for an animated movie to just captivate me for five minutes where I don't realize it's animation. Mm-hmm. And that did it. It was very hard. I had to. I, I was openly crying, not sobbing, but like just like trying to fight back tears. Uh, and it was it was very tough, and that's why I don't see dog movies. So I get frustrated when studios are loading up animated films with all celebrity voices. I don't like that either. Instead okay. of using what's the what's the... instead of using voice actors. Uh, to me, it's okay. uh, it's right. it's a cheap way to get people into the theater. Exactly. If you are selling your movie on who is appearing in it by just giving me a laundry list of people that are famous, 
Uh, I know that you probably haven't developed a great story in most, is, most cases. And that's why I appreciated accurate. the voice acting of the supporting cast, because they actually developed characters. Voice actors are great at that, because most voice actors, think of what, uh, Jason Marsden. Yeah. The incredible foray of movies and animated flicks and everything that he's voiced for throughout his decades-long career. And multiple voice actors, we, we see them do so many projects, and most people cannot tell it's the same person because that's real talent where they're developing a character and saying, I'm going to use this part of my voice, and this is that character's voice. And then the next day they're recording for another character, the next day a different one, where they have a 50-plus characters they voice, and the majority of them don't sound similar. That's right. I appreciate that part of the skill of a voice actor to do that. And while I really did like the secondary voices in this. I appreciate they developed that. This is all chock full of big name stars. When you think about it, it's A and A minus list celebrities acting in this. Or emerging names. Or emerging like names. Luna, for example. But uh, yeah. very well known names overall throughout the entire gamut of this roster. I mean, all the way down to Ben Schwartz as a supporting guinea pig, Olivia mm-hmm. Wilde as Lois Lane. Right. I mean, that's, that's um, Jamila Jamil as Wonder Woman. I mean, they're using some big name stars where you think a very Wonder Woman has a very, very, very small role in this. Okay. And nothing against Jamila Jamil because she's going to be in other things, superhero products that are right. going on. That's right. And she's fantastic. It's that those are the types of roles in terms of building up other voice actors that, you know, they would die to have four lines in mm-hmm. a major studio release that. I'm not saying they didn't audition for it, but most likely the studio went and said, we want this person, this person, this person, and this person to play these roles. And like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. The, I, I agree with that. I didn't think about that, actually, because to me, it's fun as, a, as an audience goer. For sure. It's fun to sit in there and be like, oh, I didn't recognize that voice. And the Diego Luna one, for example, I thought, is that Diego Luna? I couldn't. <laughs> I had, after it was over, I looked it up. Oh, yeah, it was, was a great. Diego it's it's one it of the biggest things I do in anything where I can't see the character. So it's not even just an animated movie. It's mm. If it's, uh, uh, say, the computer voice in a live action film. A droid. Yeah, I I like I know this voice. Where is that voice? You mm-hmm. know, it's something I'm obsessed with. So, yeah, I mean that's kind of the part of the fun of that movie going experience, especially in an animated film. But I do agree that it would be nice for voice actors who actually call that a profession. Yes, because they didn't need Diego Luna as Chip. Right, Diego Luna yet is not selling tickets, and, and this is because- right. So you, you don't have to have. Mm-hmm. You could have hired a voice actor for Chip. Is what I'm saying. Right. And there's some that cross over really well, like Alan Tudyk. He crosses yes. over very, very well because sure. he is so incredibly talented. But he's yeah. not. Okay. So. But right. he's not in terms like, of. Okay. The, so yeah. The Rock and Kevin Hart. You need two big stars for your movie. Totally get it. That's great. Two main characters. Yep. Wonderful. Give them to big A list stars. Totally fine. But after that, that's when you're supporting the voice acting craft and saying, okay, we don't need Kate McKinnon to do. She's great. I'm a huge Kate oh, McKinnon fan. She was fan. fantastic in this. But, yes, and she's great. But we don't need her. right? Yeah. We don't need Diego Luna as Chip. We don't need these other voices. They're not even marketing them. Right? That's, that's marketing my point. Them. They're marketing that's my the point. Rock and Kevin Hart. Yeah, right. So, so it's the two headliners, yeah. and then you get the rest of it. It's cheaper, probably. Why would yeah. you not do that? <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and uh, if you have a well-written story with a an, a voice actor whose that is their craft, right. you are going to get something better in the end. Mm-hmm. You don't need to puff up. Right. And with the, these other A-list, B-list parts. stars. And I know his, his his birthday was recently, but Robin Williams and Aladdin, granted, he was made for that role. Like, that role was him. Right, yes. but nobody but knows who Prince Ali was. Right, exactly. But um, that's what I'm getting to. Right. They didn't really start with Aladdin. Shrek is what ruined it. I think Shrek was the beginning okay. of the end Absolutely. for voice I'm actors. I'm with you on that. When and it I, comes to it. And, and I will tell you that uh, 
you know, DreamWorks is the worst offender <laughs> of just marketing a bunch of names. We've got so many stars. You're going to forget this movie before you get to your car, but we have so many stars in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and that's... But that's why I say that I don't blame Disney for using Robin Williams because that was perfect for him. It was built for him. One A-list. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. That's all you need. But Shrek, on the other hand, just loaded it. And then Mike you started Myers, seeing it. Cameron Diaz, Eddie Murphy. John Lithgow. Yeah. Oh, it's Then you just started loading. Movies just started yes. loading celebrities instead of voice actors into that's this. Right. And it's become, I know it's a topic of conversation that's probably meant for something else, but I wanted to address that because that's what this movie did is they just loaded it up with celebrities. What are your scores for DC League of Super Pets? Let me go first. Yeah, go All first. Right. I, a solid five for me. Jeremy K. Gover goes right it down is, the middle. It is an average animated film that was enjoyable while I was watching it. Probably won't see again. Okay. That's no big problems with it, but no huge successes except for the emotional scene. Yep. Right. Other than that was a big success because how do you do that in animation and get it to be like Pixar has the formula down, oh, yeah, right? They're they, they're, which we'll get to, I'm sure. Don't even talk but, to me about the beginning of Up. Yeah. Which, you know I mean? well, let's not jump ahead now. <laughs> we're about to get to that. Okay. We may be talking about <laughs> the beginning of Up. Uh, so, so Pixar has a formula, but overall, when non Pixar related movies, how do you get that emotional, gut wrenching, heart ripping out of your chest scene? And, in, in a comedy animated movie, right? Yeah, drugs. And, and, was that? Typically drugs. Well, <laughs> then they were on something because it was- uh, The people making the movie or the people watching the movie? pretty yes. great. Yes. It was pretty great. <laughs> Let's put it this way. If that was released as a short, like if they found a way to make it a short, yeah. it would blow up. Oh, okay. Man. It would blow yeah. up. All right. That's uh, your score. Uh, Justin Bradford, what did you give? Uh, six. Just a six? One with a six. Okay. Uh, again, it's kind of building off what-, what Jeremy did because it's an, it's an animated feature that's not pulling at my heartstrings or yeah. I'm just going to watch it all the time. If it's sure. on the background, it's totally fine. And again, because DC sucks at building a universe, it's not like this is going to be connected to many things unless it's just a sequel. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to have to rewatch this, oh my gosh, to make sure I understand what's going on in League of Summer Pets 2. <laughs> that's why it's, it's okay. I think it's a great family animated film. I really do. Um, so I'll go over and pose this question to you. Yeah. Is this or Minions? The Rise of Gru for this Ooh. summer. Between those two. Which one's the better movie? Which one do you think is better movie? I think the better movie is DC League of Super Pets, but I think the one I enjoy the most that I would go back and see again is Minions. I 100% agree with Jeremy K. Gover. Oh my gosh. Folks, <laughs> Hell has frozen down. over. I know. <laughs> I agree with every, what you just said. The better movie and then the which one is more enjoyable. Yeah. I agree the with you. The four horsemen of the ho- apocalypse <laughs> are saddling up. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Justin and Jeremy agreed completely on two different things. Okay, that's Is that a amazing. goat or yeah, a horse? I always work on a goat if I can work on a goat. All right. Sticking with animated films, Speaking time for the Pixar. question. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the question of the week, and that is your top three Pixar films. Now, there are so many to choose from. What is it? 26 titles yeah. now for Which Pixar. actually seems low. I know. Because I've been watching this since the mid-90s, so it's, it actually seems well, it was like, like a what, low number. One a year at most? Ish. Or one every two no, years can, for a while? They can squeak two out of it. Did you think like how before how long it took to develop these Oh, for sure. Back in the day, I mean, it was definitely one. Oh, yeah. Amazing. But there's so many great films that Pixar's produced. I agree. So many of them. And I think there's some that obviously, as you know, Gover enjoys and rolls his eyes at me sometimes, but I like to tear them. 
No, I like tiers oh, instead okay. of number rankings a lot of times because okay. it's it's diff- when, just like Marvel for me. You're not give multiple answers though, are you? No, no, I have one, two, okay, three. Okay, good. <laughs> but I like tiers because it's really difficult to say. Well, this one's obviously better than this one by a tenth, especially when you have this yeah, many films. It's obviously, by a tenth, yes. Because tiers, you can have your superior things like that. I just preface that to that's say fine, that okay. this is a. Di- I feel like this is kind of difficult for a lot of people, and it might be generational. What which one sticks with you could be personal connection. There's so many reasons, and that's why I wanted to pose this question because is I feel like there's going to be some that may everyone's going to have. So let me ask you this: So you're not you're not saying best. No, it's R. You're saying it's your favorite top three. top three. Yeah, our top three. Okay, okay, because right. important. I uh, yeah. Okay, all right. I think mine coincide. Great. Do we want to do all three at once, or do you want to, or do you want to go around the table? I, th- I think we let's do that. Let's get. Let's go. Let's zero in. Let's find out. Okay. Jeremy K. Gover's yes top three because Pixar it's not ranking movies. who we thinks that what we thinks the best. I think right. ranking your t- your top right. three. Yeah. So, so yes, sir. Uh, number three, I think. Uh, well, number three. Uh, well, yeah, I'll go number three. Number three was Inside Out. I had really? a buddy of mine, a coworker of mine named Eddie Holt. Shout out to Eddie. Uh, I told him I'd never seen that. It was one of the few Pixar movies I'd never seen. This is probably four years ago, five years ago. And uh, and he said, all I have to say is it will wreck you. And I was like, <laughs> okay. I had no idea what that meant. And uh, it wrecked me. He was absolutely accurate. It was unbelievable way to talk about mental illness and the range of emotion that people carry with them all the time, yep. the different places they're in. For, I mean, it was just wonderful. And, and hockey. So, and, yeah, and hockey, and yes. That's true. Hockey. She was a hockey player. That's great. Uh, so, we like hockey. Yeah, so Inside Out is my number three. I, I like just, that. I thought it was absolutely absolutely amazing. I didn't expect that to come up, so this is cool. Yes, Plus already. a surprise. Number two is Up, like we talked about earlier. Uh, the opening scene of Up, I don't think I've ever seen a better opening I don't want to say the word scene again, but a, a, a better opening. Like an exposition yeah, uh, of, of a story. It, it's, it is brilliant filmmaking in its finest. It is the best opening scene in cinema history, I think. I'm sure there are some in the, in the wow. conversation, but it's... That's a great question for another day, it, but I'm yeah, not we'll going to argue that. We'll table that one. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of good ones. I love the... Just a real side note, I love the intro to It Might Get Loud documentary. I think that's one of the greatest intros. But mm-hmm. as a... Just from the expectation walking into the film of an animated feature, you know, all that, to just having your heart ripped out of your chest in 10 minutes or whatever, right at the top, it's... It was absolutely incredible, and I still think it's the best opening in cinema history. Uh, number one is OG, Toy Story. Because when I was a kid, I used to have a fantasy, not actively, but when I'd slow down and really think about life, when I'd lay in bed, you know, going about to go to sleep, that kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I used to have a fantasy that I bet my toys, I bet they play with each other while I'm gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually had that conscious thought a lot during my youth, and so uh, when... You see it on screen. Not only is it done well, and the story is great, and the acting is great, right? Uh, that's, that's another one, by the way, of celebrity actors. By the way. Um, <laughs> but not only is it all done extremely well on its own, but to have had that thought, as he's came out in 95, right? Like so probably 15 years earlier, Yeah, to see it was like, they get me. And so to have it represented on the screen of like this wonderful idea was... 
just so impactful. So number one, OG Toy Story. Number two, Up. Number three, Inside Out. Very nice. Well spoken. Justin Bradford, your right. top three Pixar films. All right. Well, number three for me is Toy Story. Uh, so Gover, I did think my toys talked to each other, and I positioned them in certain ways mm-hmm. that I felt like they would have good relationships Nice. when I was growing up. And <laughs> so I, I really did do that. It's like, oh, well, you're going to be this one because you're going to have a great conversation here, all those kinds of things. So I thought that as well. So okay. I believe every kid probably thought that. Maybe so. so like I said, I just I didn't know yeah, that. So totally, in my brain, it was... Totally, yeah. And good point, Jim, on bringing up the celebrity voices with Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, especially you think of... Right where they were in the mid nineties, mm. yeah, uh, that was a that peak. was huge. Yeah, peak. Oh yeah, especially to kick off the first official Pixar Disney film. And like it's hard that. to say peak Tom Hanks by the way because he's been peaking for like thirty. <laughs> yeah, I know. Years, but, but, <laughs> but yeah, but, but you're right. Yeah, number number two for me is Coco. Oh, I absolutely right. love that. the story of Coco. Uh, for me, I, even though it is not a Filipino film, just the 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 talk about culture and history and music being such an important role and especially the multiple generations playing a role in this it, for for some reason even though it is on latin culture it makes me f- feel a connection to my grandmother just because uh, okay. of of this film and just the story behind it and it's a it's a coming of age for miguel as well too yeah. for him to learn so much about himself and his family but also to help repair some things as well too like like all pixar films for the most part is on cars too there's a story <laughs> in this that makes you feel something to learn a life lesson feels like the sitcoms of the 90s, right? The full houses and everything. (laughs) And I feel so much connection to this, but I just love the music and the focus and the research they did on culture for this. Like they do in so many other films that feature culture. They really did the research. It's such a beautiful and colorful movie as well. It is beautiful. Colorful. So, so colorful. Very vibrant. Uh, I love watching this. I've seen it in concert with the Nashville Symphony where they performed the the score to the movie with the movie. So that was absolutely beautiful as well. So... Have have a great connection to to Coco, so I love that one. Uh, number one for me is Up, uh, two thousand nine release. I love the opening sequence, and to build on what Gover said, is in that opening sequence what it is what it accomplishes with hardly any dialogue. Yes, that's yeah. even more putting on how pivotal, instrumental, meaningful, heartfelt it is when you can accomplish so much with just music and actions on the screen. You know you have something powerful when if you talk, you screw it up. Yeah. And <laughs> if anybody in the audience says anything while it's going on, oh boy. the rest of the audience is going to be pissed. Oh, yes. yeah. And because then, it's such a moment. It's and a what an adventure moment. there is in this film, too, to have someone really, really old and someone really, really young both be able to learn. I mean, I've cosplayed as Russell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a connection to this film, too, because also in Up... Russell is the first Asian American to be featured mm. in a Disney Pixar animated oh, film like that. I didn't know that because I believe I believe Russell's supposed to be either of Japanese or Korean descent mm. as well. Mm-hmm. So another big connection for me to find these to see an animated Asian character that is a child whose dad has left him mm-hmm. as well too. So there's there's big things there. Not that my dad left me. It's that there's a connection there too that he has a story. And there's a reason why he's doing this. And you learn so much. It's not just the Ellie and Mr. Fredrickson's connection, but it's his relationship with Russell becoming a father figure to him. And that's what Russell really does need. Yeah. And you feel but that he so also much needs the guidance of the young 100%. Kid, so 100%. And then you just have Kevin thrown in there as, as just comedic relief. Comedic beautiful relief, comedic which is beautiful relief, comedic yeah. relief and a villain and everything. Like it's and a full, complete story. We did a whole thing about up and didn't mention Doug. Doug is a phenomenal Doug. character. Yes. 
The talking cone of shame. I mean, yes. come on. Yes. So, and, and Doug's just a great supporting character too, with true golden retriever energy. Yep. And I feel like that's what they did so well in this movie too, is yes. characterizing dogs and how people would see them as like a Doberman, a golden retriever, yes, a bulldog, absolutely. really characterizing Perfectly. them, and then squirrel. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they really did a great job of humanizing dogs and what they would be like if they could talk and interact in the personality. So, Up is my number one. Coco is my number two. OG Toy Story is my number three. Jimmy. I am going to leave out Up because I really do think it's a masterpiece, and it's, it, it was on the list, but I, I think maybe this is a chance to show some other movies because sure. there's so many of them that I love. Okay. Number three for me is Toy Story. The original. Okay. You've already stated all that needs to be stated about it. Uh, people that were stars, but great actors mm-hmm. who put life into those characters. And it's just universally, I think, taps into something that is in all of us. So Toy Story is right there. Monsters, Inc. is my second wow, really? favorite Pixar Film. Wazowski. I love the dynamics of that movie. It's a great duo of uh, you know just characters and uh, and villainy. There's so much humor. There's Roz. There's I mean there's just <laughs> uh, there's so much to enjoy in that movie. And uh, wow. I, I also love the way they tapped into kids being scared at night of dark things in their room and they just I mean went with it uh, that was it's just great storytelling love it 2319 <laughs> <laughs> I did that when I got my COVID test March 2020 <laughs> <laughs> felt like it <laughs> uh, and my number one Pixar film is The Incredibles fantastic oh, a music great too. one it yes. brings me so much joy uh, that is not an era I grew up on, despite despite how much you guys rip on me being old. <laughs> no, no, like, not at all. Uh, that that is, uh, it, but it's just it was a beautiful era. Brad Bird knows how to tell a fantastic story, and jumps in to you know play you know a super character in that uh, in that film. And I just I love I, I, the concept of superheroes having to do the dull, mundane <laughs> stuff, but yearning for this incredible life that they used to have. Sorry, pun not intended, but it was there anyway. Uh, and it's a beautiful movie. It is scored well. It is funny. And it's just uh, a great story of a family coming together and you know, kind of discovering themselves and rediscovering themselves in other ways. So uh, to me, The Incredibles is exactly its name. So my takeaway here from both of your guys' lists is that I need to go watch Monsters, Inc. again. Because Monsters, Inc., when I left the theater, was instantly forgettable. Wait, was that the only time you've seen it? Yes. Oh, my. Oh, Jeremy. I, I Sorry, believe man. it's time to go back and form a reappreciation I, for that film. No, you will, I, especially because you're a father. No, maybe so. But I, I think Because it came out in the theater, I saw it. Because I was really pumped because the Toy Story, obviously, I just talked about it, was my number yeah. one. So I go see Monsters, Inc., and it was, it was funny, it was good, but I was like, okay. No, I didn't, oh, there was no staying power for me at all. Oh, mm. man. Like, I still I have, quote it. I, I have other ones, but I quote that all the time. I haven't watched it in full in at least three or four years, and I still quote it <laughs> yeah. all the time. Yeah. I, will go, I will make it a point to go back and watch it. It's an, easy, right. it's an easy rewatch. It yeah. truly is. Have you seen Monsters University? Yes. Okay. Same thing. Very okay. Well, that's fair on that okay. one. Okay, Monsters University is stepped down, but yeah. still not bad. Right. 
Not bad. It Even the animated very... series in Disney Plus, I thought was okay. It's a like, okay for families to watch. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. But Monsters uh, at Work. Yeah, Monsters. Yeah, Monsters. It just surprised me because I, I just. I'm just so glad no I left the theater just thinking like, okay, <laughs> was it a C plus? Like, yeah, it's very average. Very much like oh, I enjoyed it, but again, another question for another day. But uh, I have a lot of Pixar movies that I'm just like. <laughs> About mm-hmm. okay, not even just a. It's just okay. I have movies where I think they were a mess, and I think they've stumbled a little bit in the last five to seven years. A couple that were obviously just a money grab. Yeah, a couple money grabs and some. I I think just kind of uh, storytelling where they just I, where I walked away going, I'm not even sure what the theme was in this film. It's when, almost like they because of that one year one per year type of thing they're doing. Someone's like, well, we have to have a movie for this year, so we're just going to throw it together. Yeah, and sometimes it looked like that. Right. But when they're on, oh, they're on. They they're, are the they're best. They're unbeatable. Yeah. When they're on, they're unbeatable. Absolutely. This is the Untitled Film Project Podcast. We, of course, want to know what are your favorite Pixar films. And if you have someone you want to throw under the bus, you can do that, too. (laughs) Contact us on social media everywhere. Untitled Film Project Podcast. Tell a friend about us so you can, you know, receive the hugs and tears of them saying, thank you for that recommendation. I'm so glad I subscribed. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett. The Untitled Film Project podcast is presented in cooperation with iHeartRadio.